Hello, and welcome to Radio Duende. My name is Kian Eggett, and this lady sitting to my left is Camille Beamer. Hello out there in podcast land. My beautiful wife and my co-host on this third episode of the podcast. The episode in which uh, we talk about the history of Belize as a country. I thought it'd be a good idea to give a little bit of the background of the country, a little bit of its uh, geography, its history, uh, for the folks in, in my family who probably know nothing about it, although the folks in Camille's family uh, mostly all live there, so they probably already know. They do know. <laughs> okay, well, you want to give a little bit of information about yourself before we start? Sure. My name is Camille, and I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. And I have dual citizenship between L.A. Start over. I messed up. You can't just keep starting over. I messed over. up. You just got to keep rolling with it. No. You got to roll with it. If well, you... now I said I messed up. You yeah, can't yeah, have yeah. that on there. No, this is all staying. This is, <laughs> no. is podcast gold. Farts and poops and poops and farts. Farts and poop, poop, caca, but... Hello, and welcome to Radio Duende. <laughs> this is the third episode of this podcast. My name is Kian Eggett, and this is my beautiful wife, Camille Beamer. Hello out there. <laughs> so we figured that today would be a special day, and that I finally get her on the show, because uh, I've been talking about her before, and maybe those of you who don't know me might have thought she was fictitious, or just didn't, you know, care. <laughs> but here she is. She's alive and well. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> and uh, she uh, has dual citizenship. Uh, in the States and in Belize. We're ready to move. Yep. We're currently here in Los Angeles, and we are just getting everything squared away so that we can make our big move down to Belize and start this huge project. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, some news about it is Camille's aunt, Tay, has just decided to purchase this plot of land next to the one that we did, so we're going to have... Uh, some more family down there with us as we embark on this strange and, and amazing journey together. That always helps. Yeah, super excited for Tia Tay to come down and bless us with all of her vibes all the time and Bill. And I just think that it's going to be a great family affair. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about the geography as well as the like a brief history of Belize. I figured that would be a good thing to fill people in on if they don't already know. Uh, the, this uh, book that I've been reading called A Natural History of Belize Inside the Maya Forest by Samuel Bridgewater is the main source of information besides Wikipedia as well as just talking to people. It's gorgeous. It's a really well illustrated and photographed book. I recommend if you're interested in Belize picking it up. Uh, the copy that I got, I think, was like 40 bucks on like books.org, and well worth it. It goes deep into the flora and fauna, as well as the uh, geography, you know, what era the, the everything was formed. Uh, it goes into the Mayan history, as well as their mysteries, um, and it makes for an interesting read. I really love all the pictures in this book, especially the mushrooms. Yeah, the mushrooms. <laughs> So I'm going to get started. And Camille, if you've got any questions or comments as I, as I read my outline, uh, feel free to interrupt me and you know, do. We'll, we'll both learn something today. Kick it off, Ken. Mm. 
Belize as a whole is about 14,000 square miles of land area. The country runs about 174 miles north to south and about 62 miles from east to west. It's roughly the size of the British country of Wales or the American landfill called New Jersey. The geography of Belize is comprised in large part by granite plutons, or immense underground flows of molten lava that cooled and formed the general shape of the country's unique landscapes some 420 million years ago. Receding water lines, caused by the cooling of the planet's surface and the formation of the polar ice caps, exposed the limestone ocean floors, which had long since been created by millennia of compacted calcium deposits from crushed marine life and coral reefs. Limestone accounts for about 50% of Belize's territories. Rainwater's natural acidity dissolves limestone when it comes in contact, creating amazing formations in the comparatively soft stone, such as caves that run deep underground, rolling hills and jagged cliffs, towers, sinkholes, underground rivers, and deep cenotes. These irregularities are called karst, with a K, and the small dome-like hills and depressions found near Caves Branch and along the Hummingbird Highway are nicknamed Cockpit Karst, so-called for the clandestine cockfighting that used to take place in these hidden depressions of rock. Belize is also home to world-famous cave systems scattered throughout the land, only about 30 miles of which have been surveyed, leaving untold lengths of pitch-black passageways to remain a mystery. Plants and animals populated the area by immigrating along the land bridge created by the lowering sea levels, or else were marooned along the coasts via strong winds or floatsam and jetsam coming to rest in the tropical shores, or sometimes they traveled in the stomachs or on the backs of other more mobile creatures who managed to reach the country in their own intrepid ways. Cockfights, huh? Yeah, cockfights. Never seen one. I don't think I ever will. Belize may have been host to one of the most cataclysmic events in the history of the world, according to recent scientific analysis. Just off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula is the 150-kilometer-wide abyss known as the Chicxulub Crater, enormous divot in the Earth's surface caused by a massive meteor that collided nearly 65 million years ago, the same time that the dinosaurs disappeared from the Earth. Iridium found in rock formations in the area, as well as tiny glass-like structures named spherules, which are caused by explosive events involving rocks, support this theory. You can Google this crater and see just how massive it is. One good thing about the extinction of the dinosaurs was that it left the playing field open for mammals such as ourselves to move up in the ranks of the food chain. Dating back from prehistory, up until about 1100 AD, the area that comprises the southern reaches of modern-day Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula, Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and the northern Costa Rica was inhabited by an industrious, intelligent, and innovative people known as the Maya. Their civilization at its height is thought to have reached populations upward of 4 million people and dominated the Mesoamerican area for well over 3,000 years. These people flourished in the midst of lush jungles and along the coastlines, developing agricultural communities in the lowlands with vast irrigation systems and cisterns for storing water, constructing sprawling cities with established trade routes between them, and erecting monumental temples in honor of their gods and their kings. Until finally, for reasons that remain a mystery to this day, their civilization collapsed in on itself long before the arrival of the Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. 
Some archaeologists theorize that this was in part due to a prolonged drought in the region, based on evidence found by examining oxygen isotopes and gypsum precipitation, the concentrations of which are altered by changes in evaporation and precipitation alternatively. This drought could have caused the abandonment of the further flung villages and towns that lacked nearby water sources such as lakes or cenotes, and thus created a boom in population levels of the already crowded city-states such as Coracal, creating famine, spreading disease, or eruptions of civil unrest, much like our own country is experiencing on some levels right now. All of these factors may have added up to the demise of the Great Mayan Empire, or at least weakening it before the final blow came in the form of unimaginable invaders from across the sea. Caracol I've been to with my family. It's quite the drive to get down there, but I believe when we were in the Mountain Pine Ridge area last time, they were working on that road, making it, you know, yeah, there's a lot of road to get down there. So I'm excited for that to happen in Belize, along with many more roads coming. Yeah, there's a lot of roads that they're they're developing down there. So that's really going to open the country up more for travel, uh, you know, for for tourists as well as the people who live there to be able to get from place to place quickly, more easily, and more uh, reliably. Because some of those some of those uh, ferries like, that you got to take uh, those are a little bit you know, hit or miss whether you're going to be there for 10 minutes or you're going to be there for two and a half hours, depending on when you reach them and what time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you'll come to, like, a bump in the road and it's got a pothole in it. The bump in the road has a pothole? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was a joke your grandma kept saying, was that the, uh, the, the speed bumps have potholes in them. Some of those potholes are big enough to sink a car in. So, the European invasion. In the early 1500s, whatever remained of the Mayan Empire was all but rendered defenseless to the onslaught of Spanish conquistadors, who arrived, searching the globe for gold, spices, new trade routes, and indigenous people they could sell into slavery or else convert to Catholicism. The Maya put up resistance, but were invariably bested by the Spaniards' strange technology, military tactics, and diseases the likes of which had never been seen this side of the world. Missionaries built churches among the ruins of the great Mayan cities, and the people there were subject to Spanish rule and religion, while their lands were pillaged of their natural resources like gold and lumber. Eventually, other European countries took notice of the region's vast potential, and soon the English, French, Dutch, and Spanish were embroiled in minor wars to determine the rulers of the New World. The British ultimately established the most secure foothold on the coastline of Belize and settled in to duke it out with Spain over territorial rights to harvest lumber from the country's virgin broadleaf forests. British pirates, who had previously made their fortunes pillaging Spanish trade ships, found they could make a much easier living by logging the mahogany and cedar trees, bringing in African slaves to do the labor. And these so-called baymen established a township north of where Belize city stands today. These pirates-turned-lumberjacks defeated the Spanish in the Battle of St. George's Key in 1798 and finally wrested control over the settlement from the Spaniards. From there, the logging industry expanded rapidly until new economic ventures, such as the exportation of the rubbery substance called chicle and the harvesting of sugarcane, were established to make up for the eventual dwindling demand of the rare hardwoods. British Honduras, as Belize was then known, 
remained under the crown's rule until the very recent date of 1973, when it attained self-governance and changed its name to Belize. And on September 21st, 1981, the country finally achieved its independence from Britain and regained full autonomy from outside rulers. Yay, humans. Yay, humans. Uh, I was actually really surprised to learn that it was just that recently that Belize became its own country. I had no idea that countries were formed so recently. Just in the 80s. Just in the 80s. How and crazy. I wasn't even alive. I wasn't even alive at that point. I was tree. <laughs> so Belize now has a population of about 300,000 people and consists of a mix of Mayan, Mestizo, Creole, Garifuna, European, African, North American, Middle Eastern, and Asian people, as well as a little bit of everyone from everywhere else, not to mention all the expats from Canada, America, England, and Australia. The population is as diverse and beautiful as its landscapes, which is why Belize is such a rare and amazing country, albeit one in a constant state of change. I love Belize. I can't wait to go. Yeah, I can't wait to get back there, too. Strange, having come back after having, you know, we stayed two months down there and getting acclimated to a life so different from the one that I've gotten used to, from the heat and the insects and, you know, the way that the things work down there and the beautiful people and the food and the, the timing of everything and just the, the land itself. And I really fell in love with it and feel like I got, you know, it grew on me grew on me and then to come back to LA which I never loved well, you need a Mercedes <laughs> I need a Mercedes yeah I definitely need a new car if I'm gonna live in LA I need another house closer to the beach I gotta I get need... some Botox and a nose job yeah, right I gotta be in a movie or something you gotta that's that's the LA lifestyle if you're gonna try to live the LA life uh and we're not trying to live that way that's um you know that's one of the main reasons that we're looking to get down there is just that this this the American dream doesn't apply to you and me, Camille. Well, I mean, I think we're just looking for a simpler life, and we just want to live more in harmony with nature, and just I don't know, wake up and take a dip in that beautiful turquoise water every morning, and get up and have some papaya and pineapple and. Play my steel drum. <laughs> yeah, God, I can't wait for you to get a steel drum. I mean, I know it's going to be so much hard work, but it'll be our hard work, and I think that we're both super creative, and I think we can create a space where people will want to come to and relax and just unwind from just, I don't know, your cell phones and... yeah. Just day-to-day life. Pull your head out of your own butt. And, like, the life down there seems so much more, like, based in reality than up here. Where, like, here you got, like, a screen in front of a screen in front of a screen, and you're not even sure if you're living a simulation or not. Down there, like, let's say we are all in the Matrix. It doesn't freaking matter because there's more important things to worry about than here, where you just feel like you're spinning your wheels and, and not going anywhere. I mean, let's not, like, fully bash everything here. It's True. just... You know, we're just really excited to get down there and get it going. And, yeah, we're looking to just have a simpler life. And I just want to be in nature. I, I want to spend more time in nature. I think, you know, you can find all the answers there. 
you know, I'm not trying to bash LA and I'm grateful for all the stuff that I have here up in the States, but you know, like I think that you can tell when you, you belong to a place or not. And I'm pretty sure I don't belong here doing what I'm doing right now. And who's to say that I belong in Belize doing anything else or where I'm supposed to go. But that just seems like so much more of a, an adventure and more like how I, I pictured my life being when I was a kid, you know, being like, should I be an astronaut or should I be an explorer? You know? <laughs> I think we're just ready for a, an adventure. And I feel like a lot of yeah. our friends are ready for adventure. Yeah. And we've got plenty of work for you to do, so yeah. come on down. And none of us got the grades <laughs> to become astronauts, so we're all going to go be explorers now. <laughs> all right. And I guess that's the first uh, episode with Camille Beamer. Oh, thank you for having me, Kian. So we'll have you back on the, have you back on the show <laughs> probably every time from now on, hopefully. <laughs> Unless, uh, you know, she's going back and forth to San Francisco to uh, make money up there. She's a hairstylist and all of her clients are up there. And so there will be bouts of uh, time where I'm alone down here. And that's when I do the most on this podcast. Help me here. Yeah, right. So (laughs) without distraction. Okay. So uh, that's it. Uh, I think maybe the next episode is I'm like really interested in Calypso as a form of music as a genre that maybe the next episode will be uh, about Calypso and I've been writing a couple of Calypso songs. <laughs> so sad that I don't have, know how to play the steel drum oh right now, gosh. but yeah, you have a, maybe you give them a preview of your song you made about grandma. Okay. All right. Well, while we were down there, is that your steel drum? It's a drum. It's just going to sound like a uh, crazy noise on the mic, okay. but do it anyway. Let's see what happens. All right. Click, 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 click. <laughs> You think that three women would be good for one man But not when it's your wife, your mama, and your gran Do this, says the one Do that, says the other Don't do either of those, says your favorite grandmother (laughs) That's the the little taste y'all get Of my calypso My rise to being a calypso lord (laughs) I'll teach you all about that next time all right, thanks for listening. Um, I, I'm not sure if there will be a spooky story at the end of this one, because I'm not sure if I have any spooky stories recorded. Uh, but maybe we could talk, you know what, I'm going to pause this. We're going to take a quick break, and maybe uh, you, we can talk about uh, the spooky thing that happened to us in Belize. Well, Camille just informed me that the spooky story I was thinking of wasn't spooky enough. So there's not going to be a spooky story this time. Uh, But I'll tell that story some other time. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And you gotcha.